0: Of the 875 million users on the network, 180 million are senior level executives, 10 million are C-level executives. You will also be able to drive results with targeting and measurement tools built specifically for B2B. And they work. Audiences exposed to brand messages on LinkedIn are six times more likely to convert. LinkedIn Ads is also ranked number one for security, community, and ad experience as part of Business Insider's Digital Trust Study. Make B2B marketing everything it can be and get a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com mpn and claim your credit. That's linkedin.com mpn. Terms and conditions apply. Content marketing, SEO, competitive research, advertising. Sounds like a large scope of work you need to get done. How about full digital marketing control over your business? SEMrush can be your right hand for that. It has over 50 tools and reports to cover any online marketing activities. No more switching from one service to another. Get a 14-day free trial and watch your business grow. Go to bit.ly slash SEMrushMPN. That's B-I-T dot L-Y, bit.ly slash S-E-M, Rush M-P-N.
1: Oh man, you guys, I'm super excited for this interview. This is one of the podcast legends. One of the most knowledgeable, and I would say honest and transparent people that I've connected with in podcasting, the owner, the leader of Blueberry, Podcast Insider. If you want to learn anything podcasting, this is one of the perfect people to talk to, Todd Cochran. Todd, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, thanks for having me and looking forward to the conversation.
1: Yeah, so I'm excited to talk to you today because I just feel like podcasting has grown a lot in the past three to four years, like COVID exploded things and made it move really fast where we've seen companies like Facebook jump into podcasting and jump right out. We've seen Spotify throw millions and millions of dollars around the marketplace. What do you think about just where the industry is?
2: What's interesting. Right. When COVID kicked off, the pandemic kept off, whatever you want to call it. We definitely saw this big jump of content creators that already had one show that were now taking on two, three shows. And then we saw a lot of companies. In fact, for the first six months, we just, a phone rang off the hook on companies looking to add podcasting to their, their social media palette. They already had Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. They had all these things, and they added podcasting, really, when the pandemic took off. Now, what we've actually kind of seen is since people are going back to work They've got ball games, they've got football, whatever they've got. A little bit of slowdown, a little softening now. Those that were doing three shows now are back to maybe doing two or one. In all honesty, it's like we had this spike that hit right at 20, lasted all the way through 21 into 22, and then now it's leveling back out. So if you think about a linear line going, probably we're going to be right on that same linear line of growth, but without the if you take the pandemic off, it would just be the straight line across. Because we've always had steady, continuous growth for many years.
1: I agree. I agree a hundred percent. And I, a lot of people started shows and then stopped. Yeah. And I ran into—I can't tell you how many people were messaging me across social media. Oh man, I want to start a show, and I want to make money, and I want to do this and that. It was just absurd for a good year and a half. Like it was nonstop. What did you see the most in terms of the new podcasters? Like what was the biggest change that you saw? And
2: honestly, we didn't see a big change because what we've found, or oh, we've been in business since 2005. So we've been at this a while in, in this long-term statistic stayed true. 50% of podcasters that start never make it to episode seven. And uh- then those that make it to seven, We'll typically make it to 20, but 20 seems to be the next drop-off point. So, you know, about really? 50% of those folks, they get to 20 quid. But if you make it to 20 episodes, you have a good chance of making it to two years and beyond. There's this, this number out there, like 4 million podcasts, but there's really only about 400,000 that are actively creating content every month. So there's plenty of room across the 40 or so categories in podcasting to compete. So it's never been a better time to start a podcast, but again, podcasts are work. And I think that everyone thinks they're easy, but creating content on a regular consistent basis is a grind. you have to put it out there.
1: It's it's a grind, especially if you don't have a team and all that stuff and you're just learning things and you're figuring it out. And that's why I think I tell podcasters that it sounds crazy when it comes from me. But I tell people to have a plan for how they're going to monetize before they launch the show. Because I just know the truth. The fact is, if you're not making money from this show and doing all this content and all this production and the editing and the scheduling and the interviews and putting money into the show for equipment and software, I know you're going to quit. I know it. So why not go into it with a plan? Okay, in three months, I'm going to make money in this way. and In six months, I'm going to pivot to this. I just think it's better to have a plan. Do you advise podcasters to focus on monetizing earlier on or should they wait until they pass that 20-episode drop-off?
2: Actually, the first piece of advice is what's the goal? What's the goal? Is the goal money? Is the goal authority? Is the goal building your business? Is There's really, if you define what the goal of your show is and work towards that, it's much better than thinking immediately, I just want to make money. When I started, I really had two goals for my show. one was because I was basically dictated, this thing's going to have to make money. You're not going to continue to do it in two years. And number two, for me, it was about building authority in my content space. So I always tell folks, ha- figure out what the goal is. Now, if the goal is money, then be honest with you a large number of platforms a lot of podcasting platforms offer monetization right out of the gate but you're not going to make that much if the audience is not there you need to build an audience so there's really two strategies to the audience size if you want to scale up and build a massive audience which most podcasters do that's a route to continuing good revenue number two if the more niche you are, and the tighter your content is, the more value your audience is, then there's ability to earn money that way at a higher rate because of the value of that audience. But a lot of podcasters forget about the value for value proposition, in other words, if I'm giving you value, and I don't necessarily believe and you can use patreon, there's lots of different choices out there, but personally, I'm like, if you believe the value of the content I'm giving you is to throw me a donation of what you think the content is valuable with. Now, if you want to give a two, five, 10, 15, 20 or $25 a month ongoing contribution to the show, great. But if I hit you on an episode and that episode was worth a hundred bucks, send me a hundred bucks. What, what's the value? What's the value I'm delivering to you? So there's lots of ways to monetize. Uh, but I think if you're delivering value to an audience, you can ask them, Hey, I'm delivering you value. Why do not you kick me a buck back? And uh, there's some shows out there that do this very well. And even on my personal tech show that I've been doing now, since really the beginning of podcasting every once in a while, I'll throw something out there and boom, PayPal will hit in and I'll get a huge donation. And, but for the majority of those they are there, again, they're in that 2 to $25 a month, but I also have a sponsor, but I also build an audience to have an yeah. ongoing sponsor. So again, I think monetization can be really looked at multiple ways, but I think really this value for people starting out, if you're truly delivering valuable content, then they should be willing to say, Hey, thanks, Chris, here's 50 bucks for that last episode.
1: And I love that you said that because one way I challenge my clients is I tell them this. If I were to pay you a thousand dollars for each of your first five episodes when you are launching your podcast, what would you? And that means separately for so one a thousand episode, two a thousand. So I am going to give you five grand for your first five episodes. What would you put on that show to make it worth five grand?
2: Oh, yeah, and that's even, when they're
1: like, oh, yeah, wow, and it opens your mind up to realize just how much value you can really deliver. That's right. So that kind of approach, I think, is something that puts what the audience is getting in front of what you want. Because I tell my listeners all the time, I want to get paid. I'm not going to lie to you. I want to make money. But more important than that is I want to help you make money. And I think we put the audience's needs before us. The way we monetize is it becomes easy. It becomes easy at that point.
2: There's also a second mindset you have to think about too, is people get wrapped up around the numbers. So let's say it's 100 Let's just use that number. Go to Google Images and Google what 100 people looks like. Print that out. <laughs> All right? Put that somewhere where you can see it. Because, and let's say it's 1,000. Then print that picture of what 1,000 people look like in an auditorium or 50,000 or whatever the number is. And when you do that and you visualize that, it makes you understand the value of the audience even though you're having a one-on-one conversation, you'll become more serious in the content that you're producing. Because if you step up on a stage, let's say you step up in a high school auditorium and you're going to speak to a thousand people, I almost bet you that you're going to be more prepared to talk to those thousand people in that Mm in-person setting than you are when you release your podcast episode. So if you can keep that mindset, that many people and visualize that they're listening to you, It changes the value that you put forth to that audience.
1: Man, that is so true. And I don't think people really realize the number of listeners that's required to be profitable. Because everybody thinks you need to have this crazy amount of listeners. And that's just not the case.
2: It's not.
1: Like, I have monetized shows before I launched them. And I've had bigger shows that were harder to monetize. It really depends on the leverage you have. And the value you're delivering on that show, it depends on the industry that you're in. So one thing I wanted to ask you specifically about your company, Blueberry. Sure. How are you guys focused on podcast monetization now?
2: Yeah, so really it comes at a couple of levels. Number one, we have programmatic advertising. So really that brand new podcaster that they want to monetize out the gate, they can. And what I really consider that monetization to be is... Number one, if you're a big show and you don't have an advertiser this month, you can turn that on and the episodes can be monetized. Number two, if you're just getting started and you need to pay your hosting bill money, take your partner to dinner money, maybe if your show's big enough, maybe it's car payment money. The programmatic piece is like the stepping stone. It allows you to have enough income coming in. To say, okay, this is something, and and if you don't have a partner, then you look at the check yourself. But for me, when I was first starting out, that first check I got and showing that to my partner was like, wow, this time I'm investing is actually earning something. Hey, so, hey,
1: you a lot when you get that first payment from podcasting, I'll never forget it. Mine was fifteen bucks for a sponsorship, blew my mind
2: so again it, it depends on the scale and then of course number two we have we help podcasters find host red deals we focus a lot on the services we're actually adding this value for value model now we're integrating with some of the new podcast 2.0 stuff that's going on it's going to allow podcasters to easily monetize at, at a much more micro and some of that is pretty complicated at this point but we're sorting it out to see what the easiest way for implementation is a listener can be right in an app and say wow i love what it, that person just said and send a donation right there immediately in the form of crypto now i'm not a crypto advisor it's not about investment this is just assembly like tipping getting some tip money right but that's one of the things we're looking at that we're working on that will probably come out sometime later in the fall i mean integrate with some new apps out there like fountain and a few others that are available that allow you to a matter of fact the listener can monetize just by listening and then they can send some of that money right back to the podcaster they love
1: I love it, man. There's so many ways. Yeah, it's just so many things happening in this industry right now. <clears throat> now we got to go to some of the controversial topics. Sure. How do you feel about the podcast guesting services? Just a lot of the spam that's happening, and you can say company names if you want to. Sure. But I'm a, I've been hosting for seven, eight years now, something like that. Not a day has gone by in the past five years. I did not have somebody, hey, I have the perfect guest for your show. So what do you think about this guesting service in the market? Like, how do you feel about that as a longtime podcaster?
2: Yeah, I, I don't do an interview show at all, but I still get hit up with those. And to be honest with you, the person that reached out to you for me was one of those bookers. And But what I did was... When I was looking for a company to rep me, I wanted very specific things. I wanted to be very targeted. I said, I'm looking to be on these types of shows with these types of requirements. Number one, gotta have a website. If you're a podcaster and you got a .com, that's, that was a number one. That's super uh,
1: important. That shows you're a professional, you take it serious. I so
2: agree. I laid out to them who I wanted to be on, and then if they bring me suggestions, I look at those shows in depth. And before I say yes, I looked at your show twice before I said yes, I listened to two of your episodes before I said yes. So it was, for me, I take what shows I want to be on very serious and made sure the booker understands that. And they probably reach out to three to five shows a month for me. And, that's how I look at it. Now I think really, if it, if you're and you're getting inundated obviously with twenty different booking services looking to book people, I think if they approach you and they should, you should be able to say, "Yep." Yeah. If you say immediately, "Yep, yeah, that's someone I want on the show," they've done their job. If you get like, yeah. "Why did that person want to be on the show?" then they haven't done their job. My suggestion to you is when you get a pitch that doesn't make sense for your show. That you reply back and say, This was not the right person for my show. And I know maybe come up with a can message to send back and make them wake up and say, This wasn't the right this guest made no sense for my podcast. So I don't think there's any way we can get around it. Personally, I don't have time to go out and find the four or five shows a month I want to be on. Yeah. Uh, so it's I think
1: definitely yeah, I agree. It's definitely an important service because people like yourself want but, to be on shows. You don't have time to go out and look yourself and send the emails and you do listen. And I'll give you credit for that. Where a lot of some of the guests don't listen to the shows that they right. want to be on, which is insane. But I agree that it's a service that I don't think is going anywhere. If anything, it's going to continue to grow.
0: If yeah, it's and
2: know from your standpoint, it gets a little annoying because you got to sort through all that stuff. And another the thing, too, is you have to be careful who you have on your show. Right. Yeah, you yeah. you got to say okay, wh- wh- who is this individual, and are they going to bring value, or are they just looking to get their name in another block and another show?
1: And I've run into that so often. I would say it's about fifty-fifty for me. Half the time I see it, I'm like, ah, this is just another long wall of text about right. somebody I've never heard of. Yeah. Other times it's, oh, I've seen this person. I know who they are. I saw them on another show that I listened to. They're perfect. And it has been some people where I'm like, they're good for the show. And I find out later that they're not good for the show. One guy I had on my show, we did an interview on a Tuesday. And on Friday of that week, it was like a bunch of news headlines about him going <laughs> to trial for like scamming people. And I'm like, oh, no. I was going to release that episode the next week. I'm like, wow, I'd rather just miss an episode or have to do some rearranging. (laughs) because That was terrifying. I don't want to present anybody like that to my audience. Um, But I agree that the guesting services, they aren't going anywhere. We just have to get used to it and learn how to navigate.
2: And you give them feedback when they send you crap. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I give them feedback and I tell
1: them that I actually tell them if the person doesn't fit, I say, hey, look, this isn't what my show is about. I don't know how you came to this conclusion, but wherever you looked at, it was wrong information. And I even let them know if this person wants to promote something like their book, I do book reviews in certain ways. So we could possibly work together, but they're not set up for this show because I have multiple podcasts now. So it's just, that's the only frustrating part to me, I would say as a host is when people reach out and they haven't even listened to an episode. Yep, That right there is, come on, man, five minutes. That's all it
2: takes. That's right. I listen to a lot of podcasts and I can tell within five or 10 minutes, if I want to be on the right. sometimes I say, Oh no, let's pass on that one.
1: <laughs> Cause that production value will come out. At least another thing I want to ask you about, do you feel like now that we have more podcasts that podcasters are becoming better podcasters? Cause I have a theory that people think they can just buy a microphone and they're all of a sudden a good podcaster. And I, I think that there's a difference between a good host And somebody that is just doing it like the person that is learning how to ask questions, how a conversation flows, and even learns more about the editing after the episode, how to remove certain things, what should be removed. Do you see podcasters actually becoming better at the craft
2: compared to the beginning? Yes, for sure. (laughs) But I will say, but Um, anyone that's starting out podcasting will really not find their voice until episode 50 plus you you need to really? do the you need to do the work to get those interviews in you think about howard stern and some of the other famous folks that interview people they have interviewed thousands of people and howard stern can drag stuff out of people that they would never say anywhere else except on his show he's formed a mastery of being able to interview people and i think over time you just get better at it from an interview standpoint yes you can have a list of questions and go through those and have a conversation but i really think it takes a little while for someone that's new behind the microphone to find their voice i'm 1600 plus episodes in on a tech show i don't do an interview show i'm still finding my voice i'm still finding things i need to fix so it's an ever-evolving process but i think that podcasters are trying to do a lot better with their audio they're working on their editing used to be that probably 50 50 on the editing point as far as 50% did 50% did not I'm still one of the ones that don't, I don't edit, but (laughs) I come prepared and I have a sequence of content that I have not necessarily rehearsed, but I know what I want to talk about and where yes, I flub up here and there, but at the same point, I also have done live for many years. So being live, you're forced to be prepared. There's no editing live. So I think that what will end up happening is content creators. Number one, if they do live, they'll get better as content creators quickly. Cause they have to number two, they get better over time just because they're learning their craft more and figuring out where their comfort zone is. But I think audience members are. Very forgiving of bad video, but they're not forgiving of bad audio. So I think you have to have good sounding audio. So yes. I think that's really key. And if you have to edit out the ums mms, and those types of things, then go ahead and do that. But I don't know if I'd spend a lot of time on it.
1: I was going to say, I think one of my controversial opinions is that if I listen to a podcast and I like the host and I like the content, If they say or I a couple times, it's not that annoying to me. That's not a deal breaker is what I'm saying. I think that it becomes an issue if you say it after every single statement. And if it's drawn out, then yes. But I tell podcasters that are new, focus on the bigger things. Like I literally, in this episode, had to clear my throat as I was talking, but that's edited out of the show because I know that doesn't sound good for you to listen to in your car. I'm not leaving that in the show. But if I say if I stumble over a word, I don't think that's something you should, because if you actually do that kind of editing, it takes a long time. A long time. I've done it. It's really meticulous work and it could be a lot and stressful.
2: And I think sometimes, too, that dramatic pause where someone is developing an answer to a question can be part of the, I guess, the better, the here I'm stumbling, the yeah. ongoing value of that discussion.
0: Yeah because
1: it's natural. It's how right. we talk in person. If I'm in front of you, sometimes I'm going to pause instead of saying MRI to gather my thoughts and be more believable in what I'm saying. True. I actually learned that from one of my guests before who was a speech trainer. And this guy worked with Emmett Smith and all of these NFL players on their Hall of Fame speeches and Magic Johnson and Shaquille O'Neal. And it's like, part of what he explained to me is, when you're doing a speech, instead of saying MRI, you should pause and then think about what you want to say and then make your statement because now you're more believable and confident. So I agree that the training and becoming better as a podcaster just happens over time. Now, another thing I want to ask you about is what do you think about some of the recent acquisitions and just mergers and all of the companies that are popping up and Tying together in the podcast space because it's just so many, I can't keep up. It's a
2: lot. You look at Spotify strategy, you can see where they're going. They've spent money like a drunk sailor and nearly a billion dollars. And the chickens are coming home to the roost. They've got to make that investment pay off and their stockholders are going to be watching very closely. They really have to, to make some serious money off those investments. Time will tell how that works out. And of course, there's been a lot of consolidation as well people are trying to roll up and it's obvious that some companies out there are rolling in a whole bunch of companies together looking for an exit strategy and as a content creator that gets me concerned okay who is who are they going to exit to and what is that going to mean for me so that's one of the one of the fundamentals of our company is we believe every content creator should have their own .com and build their brand not on rented land. You need to have your own space. You need to, who you host with is there to bring value and tools and services and information and those types of things. So I think what will happen over time is the money, if, if the economy continues to falter a little bit, I think you'll see some of these acquisis- acquisitions slow down, but there's going to be heavy pressure on these companies to take those in multi-million or hundred mi- hundreds of millions of dollars investments and turn those into into gold bars. Uh, time will tell if they're successful in that.
1: I don't believe Spotify has been so insane with over the last couple of years. It just, at a certain point, it doesn't make sense. And I, my biggest issue personally with Spotify is that they're doing it from a we want to make money perspective, but they're not putting the creators first in terms of none of these bigger companies have said, okay, we're going to serve podcasters. Like recently YouTube added a podcast tab to like their YouTube platform, which I think is great, but I have to look at what Facebook did by adding podcasts to Facebook pages and it went nowhere. So it's like, I'm waiting for the bigger company that says we're going to put the podcaster first because they're creating the content and not just the top 5% of podcasters, all podcasters because Again, we're at a point now where it's so mainstream that I could see in five to seven years where it's not up there with YouTube, obviously, 35 million channels, but where we have 3 million, 4 million active shows that are producing content, not just the 400,000 you mentioned. So do you see any company is going to put the podcaster first?
2: That's where the challenge lies. If we look at the YouTube model. YouTube is a content creator for space, but only a very small percentage of those shows get monetized. You have to have so many hundreds of thousands of hours of viewing to even earn a penny. So my concern has always been about the creators and what, how do we make sure the creators stay happy? How do we keep the creators creating? And really, in the end, what that boils down to is, is often... Not always, because 50% of podcasters today do not worry about making money. They're using, again, their podcast for a funnel. They're making it for to help people, recovery. There's a whole s- scheme of content out there. But for the percentage of shows that are looking to put a dime in their pocket, it's, we've got to fix that. And that's one of the reasons why we did what we did with Programmatic. And I think other competitors in space are going to be doing the same as well. We consider ourselves a creator-first company but i am a hosting provider i'm not a spotify a pandora and iheart in all honesty it is not in those companies efforts to make creators first look how they've treated music artists yep. they have they barely pay them their amount of money that they're due in legal copyright royalties on a per play basis so there's no such law protecting podcast content creators so they have nothing in their Business model that gives them any value to give any money back to the majority of creators. So I often keep telling content creators, we want to be heard everywhere. Yeah. I don't care where you listen to your content or where you listen to my content. If you listen to me on Spotify, great. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, good. Wh- wherever you, you listen, but just remember Moonbase Alpha, where my website is a point of presence for merch, for your newsletter for my sponsor, for everything that I'm in control of as a content creator to be able to keep the lights on. And I just don't think these companies are going to make a move. It's not in, why would they pay us when they don't have to? If they do, I will be the first one to get in line. But I just don't, I don't see it. I think this is where We have to understand as content creators, no one's going to give us anything. We have to earn it. So this is where, again, going back to what we started talking about at the beginning of the show, that value for value, finding some monetization methods. This is what we have to do to take care of ourselves because I just don't think these big companies are going to ever be a creator first. Matter of fact, what would you think would happen if 100,000 content creators said, okay, pull our show off Spotify? Do you think it would change what Spotify is doing? I don't think it would, but I don't think 100,000 content creators would ever pull their show from Spotify.
1: I actually, I disagree. I think it would impact them, especially if it's 100,000 of the impactful, actually active podcasts. I think the hardest part would be getting those people to work on one accord, and it has to be an alternative. <laughs> yeah. of, my biggest comparison is to YouTube, how they have AdSense. I think more people, if you say, would you rather start a YouTube channel or a podcast, are going to say a YouTube channel simply because it's very clear what I have to do to monetize there. Whereas with a podcast, it's "Eh, it's an air. I'm probably going to be recording and editing and doing all this stuff. And I don't know when the money's going to come. If you look at
2: YouTube, how many episodes or how many blogs or whatever we want to call them, YouTube videos, do you have to put out before you get that glimmer of hope where all of a sudden you're at, 20,000, 50,000, 100,000 subs. And when you get to those types of numbers, then the money comes. But it's the same way with podcasting, 5,000, 10,000. And actually, once you hit about 10,000 listeners in the podcasting space, you can decently monetize as a starter.
1: I 100% agree. And I think that's the difference. That's where the lack of understanding comes in for podcasters. And that's my personal goal is to help more hosts understand that you don't need to have a million listeners to make money from your That's show. That's right. More importantly, no. you need to have an understanding of the leverage and the value that you have and then use that effectively. Like for me, I am not a fan of the membership model. That's not something I want to go after.
2: I'm It's just extra done. work for maybe a little bit of money.
1: Yeah, and i I much rather sell products or services because then sure. I can pay somebody to complete that service. And That's a product, right. I make it one time and I deliver it to you. That's just less stressful for me. Now, for some people, having a community is their. I know some people that are like great at community building; they're just amazing at it. So, I I encourage people to just find your way to monetize and stick with at least two. Because I'm a big fan of having income streams for your show. At least two. You gotta have two ways where you're bringing money in consistently. If you're just relying on sponsors, what happens if they all drop out? Yeah. What happens if people don't buy your product for two or three months? You want to be having some kind of money coming in at some point. So if you can get to three, but I say in the first six months, have a plan for how you get those two income streams
2: rolling. I think that's a good strategy because that's what I do with my show. I have two streams of income, sponsor money and donations. So if the sponsor money went away, we'd ramp up real hard to make sure the donate, we'd say, Hey, the sponsor's gone. We need your donations now to to pay the light bill. So, I, that's a good strategy is to have at least two revenue streams. And I think that's in probably a good strategy in the regular world today too. But
1: the way it's working now, man. Yeah. So as far as blueberry goes, is blueberry a platform that's who's the ideal customer? Because I personally have used every single hosting platform imaginable. I've tried all of them at this point. Cause I just like trying out the software. So much. So now I have companies that reach out to me when they're building products on LinkedIn Hey, this is for a podcast. We want you to try it out. I'm making it a service now, or if you want me to try your software, you got to pay me. (laughs) Um, So who is Blueberry for? Is it for the business owner that's, hey, I want to launch this podcast and generate leads? Or is it for the independent podcaster that does comedy shows?
2: It's really all the above. We're a full-service podcasting platform. We're most known for a podcasting plugin called PowerPress that is used with WordPress and about a hundred thousand shows use the plugin. Not all of them host with us, but it basically allows a content creator to build their brand on their .com, control their entity, control their feed. Basically the entire stack belongs to them. And then who they pick to host their media with is an option. We hope that they pick Blueberry. We've got great metrics. Matter of fact, our metrics are set up and such that gives you information on how you and how your content is being consumed, how you grow your show. We've got the ability for you to build a media kit, get user demographics. We've got, again, the the ability to monetize. We've added a whole host of services to help publishers grow. Our mantra is publish, analyze, and grow. Is really plus monetize, plus inspire, and all those little kicker words. But I think in the end, it's really a platform for anyone. We've got content creators that come on that don't have a WordPress site, that we provide a free one if they want one, or if they just want a landing page, which some content creators do, they just pick and come in and publish on the blueberry.com platform itself directly have a landing page, like an Instagram page or a Twitter page. And then ultimately what often happens after a few months of creating content, they say, maybe it's time for me to graduate and have my own website yeah. so I can have a funnel, do merch, do that other stuff. You got
1: to get to that point of the website because in the beginning they're like, it's not that important. That, I actually have a theory that they don't take the website stuff serious until they get past twenty episodes. That's well, when they're like, Okay, I need one.
2: About three months is what we find. And matter of yeah. fact, people are using free services out there, which have done a lot to help grow the space. They start realizing I'm limited here and what I can do and let me move so I can have some of these core strength stuff I'm going to need. And plus it's a, it's a well-known, maybe not a well-known secret, but if you have your own website and your own.com and you're publishing each episode and you're writing great titles and descriptions, you have this amazing SEO advantage over everyone. And 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 that's,
1: I don't agree. I think that it's not well-known. I have to explain that to podcasters that SEO matters for your show. That like people will find you on Google. That's insane. It
2: it doesn't matter for your show title. Any show can be found from a title standpoint. It's finding an episode. That's where the, that's where the, uh, where you win the game and building audience is basically having an episode found. And that's not one of those things that happens overnight. You got to put the time in, but really, I think to answer your question again, full service. We even have pro services with ad insertion. We've got private podcasting offerings. It's really the full gamut of services, and there's very little we – I don't think there's anything we don't have at this point.
1: Man, that's so great. I love it. I love it. If I have any clients that want to launch shows and stuff, man, I'll definitely be sending them over to Blueberry because it just – again, I've used it before. Man, I One thing I want to go back to that you just mentioned, too, is some of the free services. One of my controversial opinions, I don't think they're always great for the space.
2: Oh, I – <laughs> there's a, there's 2 million dead shows on one of them.
1: Yeah. And that's my yeah. point. It's like the free services set up to where it tells people that, Hey, if you sign up here, we're going to make it easy for you. And it makes the barrier of entry so low Yeah, that anybody thinks they can start and they don't have to do any of the work and they're yeah. promised this great result. So then they come in and they don't get that result. Yeah. And then it is drop out and they add into that dead podcast pile.
2: But I tell you what those uh, services have done. It's made companies like mine go back and we spent two years completely revamping the entire platform to make it easier for creators. It's it, Podcasting isn't today what it was seven or eight years ago. Yeah, We have yeah. content creators now that don't know how to right click a mouse. So we've had to make everything like super, super easy. The onboarding, the creating, being able to get up on the platforms. And uh, we spent a lot of time doing that. And it's, it's one of those deals when you are one of the oldest companies in the space, sometimes you got to just take dynamite to it and rebuild it from the ground up. And that's what we did over the last two years. We're pretty proud with what we've come up with, but that's here and there.
1: I love it, man. I love it. I love it, man. This was a great conversation, Todd. You're welcome back on the show anytime. I know you don't do interviews, but this was great. It seems like you do a lot of interviews.
2: I do four or five a month. That's the max that I do and just all I really have time for. But I appreciate you having me on the show and spending some time and talking about podcasting.
0: You may know you are listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Izzy House hosts a great podcast called the Space Marketing Podcast. Izzy, tell us what these fine folks will get out of listening.
1: Space Marketing Podcast is where we explore marketing principles, strategies, and tactics through the lens of space. I talk space with some very interesting industry professionals about their challenges and successes with marketing in the new commercial space economy. This show is for business leadership, entrepreneurs, and the space curious.
0: Wow. And where in the universe can people subscribe?
1: All of the major channels. And you can also find it on MPN
0: and spacemarketingpodcast.com. You heard her. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.